Hello, Marvelites. This is Jamie Frevely, a.k.a. Extra Extra, and this is a bonus episode of This Week in Marvel. Agent M is on a super-secret field assignment. I got to interview Miles Mussenden from Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Miles was awesome when he was here. He plays Otis Johnson, who is Tyrone's father on Cloak and Dagger. We talked about the family dynamic on the show, his family dynamic off the show. He's got five kids, four girls and one boy. I also found out that uh, he was at one point my neighbor on Long Island in my very own hometown of Smithtown, which was really cool. But uh, yeah, we also talked about the heavy issues that the show addresses and so much more. So tune in. We do have a few light spoilers in this interview. So if you haven't already, stop, pause, watch the whole rest of the season and welcome back. So, now that you've watched the whole season, you are all ready to tune in this Thursday, August 2nd, for the season finale of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger on Freeform at 8, 7 central. It was such a pleasure having Miles here to talk about his amazing role on this excellent, excellent show. So, take a listen. Miles, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is a whole different thing, Jamie. You know, uh, wow, to be part of the Marvel Universe, like, I feel like I'm like family now, for real, for real. And yeah, in, more, in more ways than one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And to be on a show like this, you know, I, I couldn't ask to be on a better Marvel show. I mean, I, I just feel like we have something that's that's different. I think it's just a little bit set apart. And I, I, it's just raw and it's gritty. And I love the actors I'm working with. So, wow, I'm like a kid in a candy store. So, you know, hats off and kudos to the casting directors because, man, they just really did a bang-up job with this because Aubrey is just perfect for the role. And with him and Olivia, it's interesting because I think her experience being, you know, and playing on Disney shows and then him being a little bit newer actually works with the, with their dynamics with her being this kind of... Uh, crook. <laughs> yeah. We'll say it. We'll yeah. say she gets in some trouble. She, she gets in some, she's not a crook, but she, yeah, she... She's a somewhat seasoned juvenile yeah, delinquent. She's, she's, she's street smart. Streets. How about that? Street, street smart. Street Perfect. smart. So with her being street smart and him being somewhat bookish, going to private school and that type of thing, it kind of just works, you know? Yeah. Um, it just helps with the with the story. Did you think that you'd call him somewhat sheltered? Um, You know... Yeah, I, I guess, you know, you'd have to call it shelter. But, you know, I just feel like we're trying to protect him right. for his own good. I don't think he and most kids don't realize the dangers out there. You right. know, and, and and we've had a traumatic experience in our family. Right. So it's hard. And it, we carry that every day, every yeah. day, every day, every day. And whatever happens, I have to make sure I can protect this one. Right. So the death of Billy... Mm-hmm. had a huge impact on the entire Johnson family. Maybe most, especially because he was an eyewitness to it, was mm-hmm. Ty. Talk about the responsibility of being the father of both of these boys and how you watch one and knowing what he has seen. Ooh, uh, you know, I feel the responsibility to the project, the show. I feel a responsibility to the world, too, because, you know... Uh, with a lot of violence affecting African-American youth, I feel a, a responsibility to bring the truth of it out. Yeah. You know, we see we see a lot of things on Twitter and, you know, all over social media and on the news and things happen. And, you know, everybody's into it and, and, and people are protesting and, and the next thing you know, it's gone. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so this is more than just a hashtag. And I think we have the opportunity with the show to really show what happens and how it affects families long term. Yeah. Because this has been a traumatic experience for the, for the, for the family and still is and continues to be. And it affects us, it affects Tyrone. Because, yeah, like you said, uh, Jamie, he was an eyewitness. And he was so young. Yes. He was a baby. Yeah. Well, not and, an actual infant, but mm-hmm. so, so young. And we don't really fully know what he saw. My character doesn't fully know what he saw. We know what he told us. But we do know that he's been traumatized by it. So it's like, well, I remember when I was in school, they would give us the little egg that you carry around. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like having that egg. You, you know what I mean? And you're carrying yeah. this egg around, Jamie. And, you know, you want to protect it. But at the same time, you know, if it's going to grow, it needs to grow and the chicken needs to come out and, and fly, you know, yeah. so it's it's trying to find that balance. Yeah. What I'm thinking about now when you talk about how Ty saw what happened, mm-hmm. Otis didn't. Do you think there's an added layer of trauma on Otis for not having been there, not knowing exactly what's going on? And Otis, keeping these boys safe is his job. That's his responsibility as a father, you know, to these boys and to his wife to keep his family safe and protected. So, yeah, there's a tremendous burden and weight with this, you know. Uh, And Otis also did everything he could to try to keep him safe because at that time they were raised up in some areas that, you know, it was it was rough. Yeah. You know, and the environment was 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 rough. So trying to protect them in that environment, Otis was aware of that. And he, he made uh, quite the effort to, to protect him from it, keep him from it, but at the same time let him live and let him grow up to be a man, let him grow up to be strong, let him grow up to be street smart. But things happened. So you're a father in real life. Mm-hmm. You have four daughters and a son. So what's it like for you as a father? What kind of inspiration do you draw from real life uh, playing a father on TV? I drew tons of inspiration from it. I think that's what made this role so timely and perfect for me you know just all the different things i have to deal with raising children i remember getting the sides i didn't know it was a marvel project and i got these mock sides and it read like a high-end drama to me Mm -hmm. i read it once i read it twice and then i just felt like i had it i didn't have to spend time memorizing it i didn't have to do anything so for the initial audition i was with um with my daughter oh so yeah so you know it was just out of the abundance of the heart, <laughs> the mouth speaks. It was just coming out, yeah. And it was it was very easy. So we live in a time now where you have social media, twenty four hour access to people with these phones. There's all these different challenges that present with raising children. So for my character, I have to deal with all kinds of crazy stuff going on with with Tyrone, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And 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 so yeah, I, I definitely draw from it. So. Behind the scenes, you're a father. Behind the scenes, you're also an actor. Yes. Talk about your experiences on the set. Any cool behind the scenes stories? <laughs> Anybody uh, playing pranks? Um, there wasn't a whole lot of pranks that I can recall. You know, I think one thing that I thought was 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 pretty funny. We were shooting a scene. The Johnsons were shooting a scene. Uh, so myself and uh, Adina, played by Gloria and Tyrone, with Aubrey Joseph. So we're doing this scene. Alex is uh, directing. We finish one shot. So Alex comes over, comes over. Oh, that was that was that was amazing, Glory. That was great. Yeah, just just do the same thing. And he said, uh, 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 Aubrey. Yeah, this time, you know, just give me the. And he said, uh, Miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. And, you know, um, you know. So I give them a different thing every take, and you know, I don't even know what I'm gonna do when I get there. So yeah. you know, <laughs> it's always interesting. I guess I'm the wild card. You know what? Maybe you were just doing so well that he had no further direction for uh, you. Maybe. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to ask Alex, Alex about that. <laughs> this, just Maybe just go with it. Yeah, it's definitely in the moment, you know, because it's whatever Gloria gives me. It's whatever Orby gives me. And, and they give things different, too. And, you know, whatever I feel from them, you know, I'm going to get it back. So, yeah, there's, a, there's a scene where um, I'm trying to get his bag. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's not giving me the bag. So, you know, one time I kind of grabbed the bag quickly. You know, I took the bag and, you know, he, you know, but there's another time when he grabbed the bag and he's holding the, and I'm, you know, I'm supposed to take the bag, but he's not giving me the bag. So it's like, this is not acting. It's like, give me the bag, <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm like, yank the bag. And it's like, we're having a real fight or something, you know? So it's, it's non-acting acting. Yeah. Speaking of things happening on top of all of this past trauma that Tyrone has had to deal with. Now he's developing superpowers. Yeah. What's the breakfast conversation if your kid is suddenly developing something really supernatural? Like, what would you, you're a father, mm-hmm. what would you say to your kids? Like, I think you're doing something a little ghosty. <laughs> <laughs> I can say this, you know, as, as, as a father and you, you see your kids coming with any kind of gifting, yeah. you know, um, it's good. Mm-hmm. And it's also responsibility that comes with it. So I think that Otis would probably look, try to look at it as objectively as one could. On the one hand, you listen, you, 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 you know, and you try to help. So in my case, Tyrone cope with it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you, you, you know, you let them know the sense of responsibility that goes along with it. And you do everything you can to kind of help them along and help them live and grow with whatever gift or curse they may have. If one of your kids suddenly said, I think I have a superpower, what would your re- immediate reaction be? <laughs> uh, well, I would uh, drug test them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but once I drug tested them, I would um, I would want to see what the superpower is because, you know, I always act like I have superpowers to them. So I would think they're kidding because from the time they're kids, I act like I can do super magical things. So they do the same thing back to me. It's really funny. Speaking yeah. of magic, there's a lot of really interesting and somewhat magical New Orleans culture coming into play. Mm-hmm. Cloak and Dagger takes place in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and the show is feeding off a lot of this really rich culture. You know, it's a lot of things happening. And that whole, it was all a really eye-opening and amazing and beautiful experience for me personally. I had no clue. I'd never heard about the Mardi Gras Indians. And, yeah. you know, I, I I've always felt like me growing up, and, and I felt like we needed, in my neighborhood, a rites of passage, mm-hmm. so to speak, where we could learn how to be a man and how to be responsible. I think the Mardi Gras Indians gives that yeah, in, in a lot of ways. You know, so for me to go in, and I spent a lot of time with them offset, you know, just to kind of get familiar with the Mardi Gras Indians and get familiar with that culture and meeting the men that dedicated years of their lives to imparting to the younger generation was just like, wow. You know, so we live in a day now where it's a microwave generation where, you know, you want something, you want it now. Yeah. But these Mardi Gras Indians, when you, when you, when you, you make a suit mm-hmm. every year, it takes them a year to make that suit. So that's dedication. That's, and then after that, that's it. You put that thing away. Never used to, again? No. Wow. No, it's an ornament. What has been your favorite thing about working in New Orleans? Hmm. You know, I guess I would have to say the food and culture of 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 
singing and dancing. Oh, I, that's great. I live in the French Quarter when I'm in New Orleans. And, you know, it's beautiful where I am. And, I, and, I, and sometimes I look out the window and I see a lot of homeless people. And I really just, you know, like, oh, man, you know what? And so what happened in Katrina it, it still has this effect. You know, that it's, 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 it's viable. You can cut it with a knife in, 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 in the city. But at the same time, you walk around the corner and you smell the food. Yeah. You know, you hear the music, you see people dancing, and it just gives you life. Yeah. And for me, that's just wonderful. I just walk around and, and you know, and it just it just warms my heart that these folks are so resilient. Yeah. That would be my favorite thing. Just 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 the people and them with all they've been through sparking life in us. And it's just it's funny because the show with all the these characters have been through, they're still mm, breaking through and, and, and it's going to be all right. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like that kind of environment, the New Orleans environment, and everything you just said really helps set such a scene for these two characters, this mm. universe. And it's a nice change of scenery after some gritty New York. Yeah. And I think there's an authenticity in Cloak and Dagger that we see with kids who are sort of untainted. They're kind of blank canvases. And yes. they're, it's easy to, to see them become people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not a bunch of boring, jaded adults like us. <laughs> we get to see something mm-hmm. painted by their environment and by external things like these superpowers. Mm-hmm. So do you think Otis grew up in New Orleans? Is this something that, is he a native? Yeah, I think he grew up in, in, in New Orleans. Um, he, he grew up, you know, in that culture with the Mardi Gras Indians and that type of thing. So he has that background. He, I think he grew up in a little bit of the rough side of the city. But I think his involvement with the Indians is part of his saving grace. Yeah. You know, um, so because that was so helpful to him, he felt like it can be helpful to his boys as well. I think with the tragedy, he had to do anything he could because I couldn't take a chance. I had to do something else. Yeah. I have one son left. So, you know, it's like, doing the George Jefferson thing and you're moving on up to the east side, you know, and I, I did whatever I had to do, you know, moved on out and around with the white folks and stuff and it felt a little <laughs> safer, you know, and, um, but now there are other things you have to deal with when, when, when Tyrone is not growing up around people that look like him and he's not seeing anybody that looks like him, yeah. you know, that presents his own different challenges as well. And, and now on top of this, he's going through this yes. unbelievably difficult, weird Mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. I have one more question, a very super, super Marvel-y question. Okay. Have you read the comics? Yeah. You know, I read them after Mm -hmm. uh, we filmed. And, you know, the the reason I read them, because it's not a whole lot of Tyrone's dad in them, you know, but um, uh, I wanted to be able to just relate with the fans. I, 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 you know, I go and I look, you know, on the different threads and I see some of the things they're saying. And I just wanted to understand where they were coming from, you know, the pure, the comic purists, you know, and that type of thing. So, yeah, I I felt like I had a responsibility to read it and kind of know. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I still, I, you know, I'm still reading them. Cool. Have you read, were you a Marvel fan before that too? Yeah, I was. From the time I was a kid, I was a Marvel fan. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, who isn't? I don't know who yeah. isn't, you know. But, <laughs> know. but you know, uh, so I used to read the comics when I was a kid. And then they, they had, like, uh, I think it was Channel 5. Used to, uh, we had uh, Lou Ferrigno playing the Hulk back mm-hmm. in the days. And I used to watch that, love that, you know. Uh, so, and then as, a, as an adult, I wasn't really doing so much the shows. I was doing the movies. 
you know, yeah. so everyone, I'm like there, you know, uh, you know, first day, you know, got to see this, got to see this movie. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've been a fan. I am a fan. And uh, it, it's and now you're in the universe. I, yes, you're I in am, it. <laughs> I am part of the world. I am Marvel. It's, it's pretty amazing. You know, I, it's funny because um, I, when we first started, I remember Jeff Loeb called called me and um you know, just like the head of Marvel television, you know, calling Miles. I saw, you know, uh, I was I was in a restaurant eating, and I just kind of left my food and just went outside. You know, I'm gonna go talk to Jeff. And um, you know, I was telling him, I said, Jeff, I gotta tell you, this this is kind of surreal for me. Uh, you know, this whole thing, and because uh, my world was spinning, I couldn't tell anybody. You know, and I, I'm living with this thing. And he said. Uh, he, he explained the importance of secrecy, you know, uh, for the for the benefit of the fans and that type of thing. Right. But he also said, this is an opportunity to do your best work. And uh, when when he said that, something happened. And, you know, the world got quiet. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, calmed down. All the surrealness in the world spinning around kind of just settled down. The dust settled. And I said, okay, let me get into the work. Miles Missenden. Thank you so much for being here. This was a wonderful conversation. The show is great. I cannot wait to see this new episode. Thank you. And Thank I can't wait so to much. see all the wisdom that Otis is going to impart on his superhero side. Oh, you and me both. <laughs> 